of the theatrical variety show, The Bedpost Sex Show. Here at the podcast, I invite guests and performers from the stage show and beyond to indulge me in a more in-depth conversation about sex and sexuality. This week, I have a super special guest Skyping in from New York, uh, sex blogger and educator Bex. I'm so excited to be here all the way from snowy New York right now. Yeah, it's snowing here too. Is it? Yeah, oh, it's good. like blowy snow. <laughs> I'm really excited about it because I don't have to leave my house today. But if I had to go outside, it would not be great. <laughs> exactly. Um, the funny thing about this this particular episode is that we already recorded one. <laughs> <laughs> that we did. That we did. And I totally, totally lost it. Um, it's the first time that's ever happened to me. What happened was my, my Mac of like... 12 years finally decided to completely stop working like just an epic shutdown and I took it in hoping to retrieve the episode as well as like a lot of other things on that computer (laughs) and no go so here we are Bex Uh, yeah yeah the technology (laughs) fates have thwarted us it sucks and I knew it was kind of on its last legs and so I wasn't recording off that computer but just because this was a Skype interview, I had all my Skype set up on that old computer. So that's the only reason oh. I used it. <laughs> and then it's Yeah, really... I do all of my recording on my old computer because my more recent computer is just a Chromebook. But I don't, maybe this is not the wisest idea. I know. So now, so now we're on my new computer. Okay. <laughs> Cross our fingers. So getting the fan. Treatment. Oh yeah, yeah. This well, this one's gonna be way better, everybody. Because <laughs> technology is on our side. Well, technology's never on our side. Oh, exactly. I started rewatching Battlestar Galactica. <gasps> nice. <laughs> the original yeah. or like the the awesome remake. The awesome remake. Nice. But yeah, technology maybe not our friend. <laughs> no, Cylons are definitely not our friend. Um, so Bex, tell, tell everybody just in a nutshell who you are. Basically, uh, what that means is I professionally talk about my bits on the internet a lot. (laughs) Um, and I really try to make space to tell people that what they're doing and what they're feeling in their bodies is probably okay, probably perfectly normal, like, uh, and just... One of my friends uh, refers to her sex education work as being a beacon of permission. That's Kate McCombs. Nice. Uh, And I think that's a really good sum up for what sex sex education is. Like, my whole job is to be like, yes, yes, you can do that. And here are the tools and resources you need to do that in the best, safest, most fun way. (laughs) Awesome. And how, tell me uh, where this all began in your life. Like the very first kind of interest in the field of sex and sexuality, 
What take me take me back, Bex? Well, so I've always been a nerd, right? And for me, what that means is uh, the d- urge to learn as much as I can about. So anything that interests me, even a little bit, I'm going through the wikis and I'm going reading p- things people have written about it and people are saying about it, and just trying to learn every facet of information I can. So puberty hit, and <laughs> sex became interesting. And sex got the same treatment as everything else, like when I started obsessively watching House or whatever (laughs) other, like, reading Harry Potter books 16 times. Uh, So then I was like, wow, this sex thing is interesting and curious. Mm -hmm. So I used to go to Borders and sit on the floor in the sex section, probably making the adults real uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. uh, and reading everything I could find about it. Do you happen to recall some of those, like, early books you were reading? I think, I mean, I know I looked at, like, my mom's copy of Our Bodies Ourselves, which nice. everyone did, but, like, flicking past all the, like, body stuff and being, like, looking in the glossary for words like orgasm and, like, sex and being like, what does it say about that? <laughs> <laughs> and then there was a book called I Heart Female Orgasm mm-hmm. uh, that I remember reading and... I found it really interesting at the time. God knows how my current brain would process it, but I think it's still a pretty good book. Mm -hmm. At this time, like, what was your age and, like, where was your, like, physical, uh, personal experience, sexual experience at while you were doing this? So this was at, like, probably high school, like, junior, senior year. I I was curious, well, earlier than that, too. Um, But I was curious about sex for a while before that and just anything people told me or whatever. But personally, my experience was super limited Hmm. because for me, and I'm realizing more and more now, too, that even like my kinks and my approach to sexuality is all super psychological. Mm -hmm. So when I was learning about sex, I was like, I need to learn all the things. And it almost never occurred to me to like go do those things I was just like this is fascinating like I had been reading fan fiction for Mm -hmm. years and like dirty fan fiction (laughs) in the back in the back row of like my social studies class my friends and I would sit in a row and like trade stories mid-class right (laughs) um and like I'd been reading it for years and my high school girlfriend was like you know, maybe you should jerk off to all the porn you're reading. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's something I could do. Oh, that's so funny. Interesting. Like, I had to be told that that was an option. And I'm more, <laughs> where a lot of people tell their stories of, like, their first masturbation and sexual experiences of, like, I discovered this thing that felt good. For me, it was like I knew about the concept of masturbation. I had read about orgasms and all these things. And then I was like, oh, I could try that. (laughs) (laughs) So like, I very much went into it with the knowledge of what I was doing and trying to like explore and experiment that way. Wow. So I'm curious, like, okay, so you know so much about it intellectually at that point. So what was like your first kind of experiences like, say, masturbation, what was that like? Like, having read so much about it before and then finally trying it? Underwhelming, to be honest. (laughs) Because, like, so, 
especially a lot of the media I was reading was still, like, erotic and stuff. I hadn't quite... I was just dipping my toes into, like, the intellectual sex education types of media about it, because the erotic stuff is so much easier to find. Sure. Uh, That shit's everywhere. (laughs) And a lot of people don't even realize there's this whole world of sex education to explore. So you think, I want to research sex, and you find wank material. Yes. Um, So, like, it all... All of these descriptions of orgasm, right, they're explosive, they're fireworks, and, like, life-changing and whatever. And I was just like, nah, I guess this feels fine. (laughs) And I had also had kind of fallen into the idea, which is really prevalent, that for people with vulvas and vaginas, sex is penetrative, right? right? Things go in us, and then we feel great. Yes, That's how sex works, right? Yeah, the very heteronormative view of sex. Exactly, exactly. So for me, masturbation, I was just like, I will put things in my holes Mm -hmm. and wait for something to happen. (laughs) (laughs) And and nothing was happening? Exactly, yeah. Yeah. It was like, this feels vaguely cool, I guess. But, like, there was, like, it took me a while to get off, which is how I started finding sex education resources, because I was like, how do orgasm? Mm-hmm. Uh, were you one of, were you, like, the type of person that's typing that into Google? Like, how do I orgasm? Yes! Like, I was like, tell me, like, Googling, like, you know, trouble orgasming, and, mm. like, that's where I found those books, and just, like... Googling, like, what does it feel like? I remember asking my first partner, like, so many times, like, but, like, what does it feel like? What is it like? What is it? And he was like, I don't know. I'm just fucking good. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I, I feel like for a lot of women, um, that's, uh, they don't know if they have orgasmed or not until they have, until they do. Right. Right? So you're like, is this just this feeling of pleasure and togetherness, like, with my partner? You know, is that it? Like, when it feels really good, is that it? We don't know, right? Right. And, well, that's the other thing, because all of the language around it is, like, this condescending, well, if you had, you'd know. Oh, oh, you'd know. Yeah. If you had orgasmed, you'd know. Yeah. And, like, no, no, you wouldn't, necessarily, because it gets this ridiculous hype like you should be having these like screaming body racking orgasms all the time yeah for me realizing what an orgasm was was realizing oh those like muscle contractions and releases I was having Mm -hmm. were small orgasms Mm -hmm. and like it was gradually just like I don't remember a distinctive first orgasm it was just like oh like a gradual realization of what that was and what that could be, especially because I'm a person that uh, finds it really easy to get off multiple times. Mm -hmm. So like, it was just this realization that, Oh, there are different types of orgasms that I can be having. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they are like ridiculously overwhelming, but other times it's just like a small release and that sort of thing. Right. And you can achieve them all different ways and like all, all that stuff. Yeah. So okay, so you're in, uh, you're sitting on the on the floor of the bookstore reading all <laughs> all these books. Yep. <laughs> and then uh, from there, uh, where did the interest take you? So I found um, 
I started listening to sex podcasts like um, Sex Nerd Sandra and um, a couple of others. I think that was the big one I remember at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, Life on the Swing Set, I listened to them pretty early on, too. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of started realizing this world of sex education existed. Mm-hmm. And I kind of went at it with, like, well obviously this is what you would want to do if everyone knew it existed, but I guess they just don't all know this is an option. (laughs) (laughs) Or everyone would be a sex educator. (laughs) Exactly. And like, clearly I like to talk a lot. I have a lot of opinions. Yeah. Uh, So for me, it was like, great, this is something that's fascinating to explore and to talk about and to really analyze and learn more about and share that information. Mm-hmm. And that's why I started doing that online. I started um, reviewing sex toys and talking about sex online. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's, that's all at BexTalkSex.com. Yes. Yes, it is. Um, and at BexTalkSex on Twitter if you want to listen to my aimless ramblings. <laughs> um, and sometimes so- I'm hilarious. lots of times um how did you start so you started reviewing toys you're saying so how did that start did you just start writing about toys you already had or how did you get into being a sex toy reviewer well I first got into it through uh a website that I don't want to send traffic to so I'm not going to mention um (laughs) but they were really awful okay uh but they started out great they had this really strong community and they recruited people to review toys for them on their website and to try and drive sales that way. And that's how I started doing it. And that's how a lot of sex bloggers started doing it. Like, Hey, Epiphora got her start out there as well. Hmm. And you Uh, just, did you just answer like a call for submissions or something like that? Or basically, yeah, they had an ongoing program on their site that you could sign up for and review through them. Yeah, so that's kind of where the community first built, and then things started going downhill there. They started treating reviewers really poorly and all kinds of other stuff that I'm not going to get into, but we all started leaving, and people were all starting their own blogs, and for me, I was like, oh, that sounds really interesting, and I was really excited to kind of get outside of just reviewing things and to be able to start talking about other things and uh, my other thoughts and opinions about stuff that was happening in the world of sexuality because mm-hmm. I was really just starting to develop those. Um, and at the time, for me, it was still just fun. Like, this is interesting and this is a thing I enjoy talking about. Uh, mm-hmm. And since then, I've kind of honed my focus a little bit where, uh, for me writing about sex online is, like I was saying earlier, I kind of like to operate as a beacon of permission, a way to be like, yes, these things are okay. I'm talking about these things. It's fine. You're allowed to do all of those things that you're excited about, you know, Mm -hmm. and just kind of role model that acceptance Mm -hmm. in a way. Uh, And hell, at this point, Everything I do has got to be a little political, so... Yeah. Um, I hear you. My existence has been made political, yeah. so I'm running with it. <laughs> yeah. So on BexTalkSex.com, what are we finding mm-hmm. now in, in today's incarnation of BexTalkSex? What's on your website? Less reviews than there ever were in the past. Uh, I still like talking about sex, sex toys, but I try and do it in a different, more engaging, more interesting matter, and I try to focus a lot on personal essays. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, like, 
I recently wanted to write about the Pure Plug, which is a stainless steel butt plug made by a company called Enjoy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Enjoy is such like a big deal of a company. There have been so many reviews written about it. And really, to sit down and talk about the measurements of the toy and how it feels and blah, 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 that doesn't sound fun to me anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I wrote a piece that just lists um, all of the ways... For me, that plug is a big part of the DS relationship I'm in, and my sir will often tell me to wear it. Mm-hmm. And it's a really great plug to wear out in public. Mm-hmm. So I told, I made a post that was just a series of, I think, five different stories of times I've worn that plug in public. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So, and, and I've and, written like... And just for novices, oh, when you say a DS relationship, what kind of a relationship are you talking about? So, uh, DS stands for dominance and submission. I am in a dynamic with my sir where, uh, he is in charge mm-hmm. pretty much all of the time. Uh, obviously we recognize that we are equals. And when we're discussing parts of our relationship and our dynamic or whatever, we discuss it in that way and we negotiate things. And obviously he respects me and all of that stuff, mm-hmm. but we find it really fun to kind of play with that power exchange. For me, that's always been one of my core kinks and fetishes is to play with some sort of power dynamic. Mm-hmm. And one of the things he might ask you or tell you to do on a particular day might be to wear that enjoy that stainless steel enjoy plug. Exactly. Uh, and he does that like... The thing I really like illustrating in that piece is that he's done it in a couple of different ways. Like sometimes it is just like wear that because it's hot and I'm in charge and I can tell you to fill your holes. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. as simple as that. But other times, like if I'm super anxious about something, he's told me to wear it and it can kind of keep my mind off of my anxiety because I'm more focused on my submission. Interesting. And it's like, a little bit like, well, everything's okay because he's in charge and he'll take care of me, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that wearing the plug is kind of a, a reminder of that. Exactly. Um, like, I wear a collar 24-7. Um, mm-hmm. It's just a simple leather collar with an O-ring on the front. Mm-hmm. But for me, that I find really comforting, too, uh, for much of the same reasons. But... I wear it 24-7. Like, I take it off when I sleep and shower and when I work my vanilla job. But Mm -hmm. I put it on at the end of my shift before I walk out the door. Like, it's always on on me. And when I'm not wearing it, it's usually clipped to my belt. Mm -hmm. So it can kind of fade into the background. Sometimes I'll tug on it as a reminder. Or if I'm I'm anxious or even if I'm just bored, I'll play with it. Mm -hmm. But wearing the plug kind of brings it into the forefront of my focus again. Right. Because that's a hard thing to ignore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and it's an interesting topic. I mean, a lot of people n- wouldn't necessarily relate um, like a dominant submissive type of a relationship uh, to mental health. Yeah, but it's huge in my in helping to like preserve my mental health. Mm -hmm. So I have, like I said, this is a thing that we do 24 seven. So he is pretty much always the boss. Mm -hmm. Um, and he, I have tasks that I do every day Mm -hmm. 
and he uses those to also help with my mental health. So some of the things I, I have to do every day are like sexy fun. Like I send him a naked picture every morning mm-hmm. because he likes to wake up to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like, honestly, who wouldn't? <laughs> uh, but he also, some of the other things I have to do, uh, for me, I find to-do lists very helpful and very motivating, uh, and they help keep, I need to write things down to help keep my mind focused when I get caught in, like, depression fog and stuff. Mm -hmm. So I send him a picture of my to-do list every morning and night. Uh, I have a lot of struggles around food and my mental health, and when I'm not good about my food, my mental health spirals, which makes me be worse about my food. Right. So... So I keep a food diary. So you're saying that he helps you with your mental health and stuff like that, like outside of the realm of kind of sex, like he's helping you organize when you're not able to, he's helping you organize your day, your diet. Exactly. Yeah. He, so he's not just for me to be in a 24 seven dynamic with someone, it has to also be nurturing like it can't always I mean he's mean to me for fun like that's also a fun thing that we do but he also really cares about me and shows that in the way he he is dominant he is in charge and he is in charge of the fun things and the not fun things right you know like any person in charge like a coach like a parent like uh you know exactly yeah and one of the things um so there's this kink educator named Melina Williams who is amazing Mm -hmm. uh and one of the things she talks about is the prime directive Mm -hmm. not the Star Trek one um (laughs) But for her, the definition of the prime directive is that it is the responsibility of the submissive to protect the property of the dominant, meaning the submissive, up to and including from the dominant himself. So her main job as a submissive is to take care of herself. Right. Because she can't submit to someone if she is not whole to submit to them. Right. Um, so for me, sometimes that's really helpful when I'm having like a bad mental health time. Like I may not be able to be like, wow, I need to take care of me, um, because I deserve to be taken care of or whatever, but I can be like, wow, I better take care of my sir's pup because he's going to be real mad if his pup gets sick or hurt or something. Right. So sometimes my submission can be super helpful within my mental health. That's very interesting. Cause I feel like most people might think that, you know, when you're not feeling great, um, that, you know, you're not, that you're nece- not necessarily in a headspace for like role play. Right. And sometimes, sometimes, yeah, mixing kink with a bad mental health day can be not great. Um, I've had to stop scenes because, like, I started disassociating and was like, wow, so my body doesn't feel like my body right now, and uh, doing things to it doesn't feel great. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's definitely times where you have to, like, kind of take a step back from that. But there are ways to kind of play with my submission, which is always kind of a core part of me, that can be really helpful too when I'm struggling. So just, 
it's important to kind of know how those things interact with me and how they interact uh, and how that relates to my partner. Like Kate, my co-host on the Dildorks, who I know you've had on the show before. I have. She really finds spanking helpful when she's depressed. Mm -hmm. Uh, It can be cathartic and can kind of help her release a lot of things. Mm -hmm. But for me, I'm noticing if I am depressed or sad or uh, a lot of that kind of connects with that disassociation like I was talking about earlier. Mm -hmm. And then doing things to my body feels wrong. It feels like this isn't my body and hurting it doesn't feel good. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, when I'm like having a really good mental health day and really happy and uh, like feeling good in my skin and connected with my body, spankings feel great. I love like seeing how much pain I can take and pushing my limits and everything. Mm But I have to be in the right headspace for it. Mm-hmm. So you're saying it's just totally on a case-by-case basis, um, and it's best to obviously know yourself. But but I feel like with experience, it's only going to get better and better to kind of navigate the waters between, like, mental health and, and kink and role play and stuff like that. Exactly. And just, like, kind of connecting within yourself and seeing how – how does it feel, you know, like, don't just be like, well, Kate loves spankings when she's depressed, and this feels awful, but, like, obviously she's a sex educator and knows what she's doing, mm-hmm. so I should just keep getting spanked while I'm depressed. Mm-hmm. Like, don't, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Constantly check in with really yourself. Hard. Yeah, exactly, and it can be really hard when you're in, like, a weird mental health spiral to kind of feel present in your body, but just... Try and try and see how things feel and be conscious of those feelings because your body knows what you need, mm-hmm. you know? Amazing. Um, well, Bex, you mentioned very, uh, very quickly there the Dildorks, which is your new podcast with Kate Sloan. Yes. And I would love to talk yes, yes, to, yes. I'd love to talk to you about that after a super quick break. So we will be Sounds good. We will be right back with Bex. This episode has been brought to you by the worker owners of Come As You Are. Come As You Are has the peculiar distinction of being the world's only worker-owned cooperative sex shop. With feminist and anti-capitalist values, Come As You Are only carries sexuality products that they truly believe in at the lowest price possible. Enter coupon code BEDPOST when you check out at comeasyouare.com to receive a 15% discount. And don't forget that shipping on orders over $50 is free in Canada. That's B-E-D-P-O-S-T when you visit comeasyouare.com. Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for coming back to the Bedpost Podcast. We're here with sex blogger and educator Bex. Hey. <laughs> and um, so your most recent uh, endeavor is the Dildorks podcast, which is actually how I heard of you and Kate, because I started listening to your podcast and loved it um, and <laughs> thought I didn't contact you people. <laughs> yeah, I'm so glad you did. Um, and I'm glad you're enjoying the podcast. I am. I'd love to talk about uh, some of your latest episodes and maybe just like talk about the takeaways from each uh, mm-hmm. of, of, say, your last couple episodes. The latest one is Living Loudly Online. So tell me about that. 
Yes, so we were super excited. We had our first guest on the show. Uh, we spoke to Cooper Beckett from Life on the Swing Set, which was really exciting for me because I have been listening to that show for, like, years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I had a little bit of, like, a few moments where he would talk about things and I would be like, yes, I know I've read everything you've ever written. <laughs> <laughs> Did not want to say that. <laughs> but... When we were trying to come up with what topic to talk to Cooper about, it occurred to me that he, like us, spends a lot of time talking about his sex life online and really personal parts of his sex life Mm -hmm. and his relationships. I mean, he's gone through a divorce while publicly being, like, he is probably one of the more well-known swingers in the community. Mm -hmm. Uh, And... He's gone through some really awesome shit and some really rough shit while living that life, living that life so publicly. Mm -hmm. So we kind of wanted to talk about what it's like to live in the public eye in that way and talk about the things that a lot of people are kind of afraid to talk about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I come across the same thing. Um, I also have kind of a very public persona sexually especially online and you know mm-hmm. it can sometimes be uh, a tough sell to kind of invite people say just onto the podcast to talk about sex for 40 minutes like that can be you know a lot of people are very unsure about doing that so what what was your general takeaway from that episode we talked about a couple of really interesting things like uh we talked about the people who react angrily when they see what we're doing and how it's because they're just breaking because we by talking about this thing online are kind of breaking the social contract Mm -hmm. and for a lot of people that their reactions are either like are are anger because they can't do it or they're seeing us doing this thing they're afraid of Mm -hmm. and they don't know how to handle it so I think that was a really interesting part of that And we also talked a lot, this was recorded like the day after the Women's March uh, when we did this episode. So we, there were quite a few moments where we talked about how the personal is political Mm. and yeah, I might just release a giggly podcast on blowjobs, but (laughs) my existence is political Mm -hmm. uh, and doing that is a radical act and uh, just how important it is that we continue to use our platform to speak up for the things that matter to us. Because there are a lot of people that, when I say I run a sex podcast, just want me to talk about sex. And mm-hmm. it, you can't anymore. Yeah, like if Dan Savage sure doesn't. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so why should we? Another awesome episode um, of recent Dildork's uh, time frame is orgasms and outrage what's that episode about (laughs) well the note that we had listed in our like shared document of ideas for that episode was uh sex toy marketing trends we wish would die in a fire yes please (laughs) yes i would love to hear some of those uh so some of the things we talked about were the like better than an the real thing trope, which is just bullshit. Yep. Like, sex toys and people are completely different things, so please stop comparing them to each other. Yeah. Just a thought. 
um, we talked about like super gendered marketing mm-hmm. being like, this is for lady holes and this is for man holes and it's different. Yeah. I've noticed <laughs> that we all have holes. Yeah. Yeah. We all have holes. Um, I've no, I've noticed that a lot because I've recently got into, uh, adult retail and like they will literally have the exact same product marketed two different ways. It's the exact same thing. Yeah, and it's uh, ridiculous and unnecessary. I've so I also work in sex toy retail. I've been doing it about a year now, um, mm-hmm. a little more. Um, mm-hmm. And it like I once had someone pick out a product, the Loki Wave. Mm-hmm. And they looked at it and they thought it was great. We talked about they were going to use it for their G spot mm-hmm. because compared to the Eno Wave, the external arm on the Loki Wave is a little bit wider, so it provides less pressure to the clit. Mm-hmm. Where the Eno Wave can be a little bit clampy, you know, mm-hmm. it's for people who want a lot, a lot of pressure on their clit. Mm-hmm. Great, we talked about it. Customer bought it. Mm-hmm. Came back fuming because it said the word prostate on the box. Oh, please. And I was like, you looked at this and thought it would be fine for your G-spot, but you're going to let the box tell you you're wrong? Yeah. Like, and she just went off, like, and finally, at one point, I had I passed it off to a manager and had them handle it, because that, that job, it's not my job to deal with angry customers. Yeah, it's beyond your pay grade. Um, so, I, like, I had someone else talking to her, and she said, at one point, she was like, I just... I just want a normal toy. And I was standing like oh behind the manager and I was like, yeah, I, I gotta go. And I just walked away <laughs> because I, I couldn't like, and that's, it's ridiculous that the marketing came down to that. A toy that we, that she saw and was excited about and thought would be great for her body. She completely turned on a dime and was convinced could go nowhere near her bits oh because of one word on a box. It's insane. Uh, another awesome episode, and one I can definitely, um, one I can definitely get behind, is uh, social media flirting. Yes, I. So I have a lot of opinions about flirting. I actually just today a post went live on my blog about how I've come to consider it one of my fetishes. Yeah, I saw that. Um, I saw that when I was looking you up today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and there's. We So we wanted to talk a little bit about the etiquette around flirting on social media, mm-hmm. because I've seen there are some people that are just like, oh, you just, you don't do it, you don't do it. But mm-hmm. social media is such a big part of our lives that uh, I, I do flirt via Facebook and flirt via Twitter, and I subtweet people and, like, send winky emoticons and all kinds of bullshit. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I flirt, I big time flirt on Instagram. Oh, uh, yeah. See, I'm not... I'm not about that Instagram life as much as I am Twitter, Mm -hmm. but I know a lot of people that are on there, so I feel like I kind of need to get back over there. (laughs) Like, whatever, do what you want. (laughs) But I find that that, that's, uh, oh, I'm I'm always commenting on people's pictures and being like, oh, hey there. (laughs) Hey, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And there's a way to do it, because the big thing we talked about is the line between actual social media, like, legit social media flirting that is fun and uh like social media creeping which is also very much a thing yes yeah so what's what's the line there what's the difference between the two i think the difference 
becomes a lot clearer if you think about it the way you would in-person interactions. Mm -hmm. So, like, you see a stranger, you don't, you're at a party, you know, you see a person you've never met before having a conversation with someone else. Mm -hmm. You don't either jump in in the middle of their conversation and make an innuendo when they were clearly having their own conversation. Mm -hmm. And you don't grab that person and bring them into a closet somewhere and say, hi, we need to talk in private. Because that's creepy. (laughs) You also don't slide into a stranger's DMs and go, hey, how's it going? When I've never seen your face before. Mm -hmm. Because that's also creepy. Mm -hmm. Right. So you kind of, the same way you would at a party or something, you find little things, uh, little ways to become a parent on their periphery. Maybe you become a part of a group conversation in a really, uh, like, natural way. Or maybe you, uh, you know, maybe you have your own conversation and they come and say something to you. And once the person is kind of aware of you, then you might step it up to a more private conversation by, like, a Twitter DM or a Facebook message, a private message on Facebook or something like that, you know? Right. But you have to kind of build rapport. Right. Before just jumping in. And people treat the internet like it's something completely different and foreign from us when we already have these basic social conduct rules, you know? Yeah, in real life. So just apply them to the social media life. Exactly. Um, so I, uh, also saw on your podcast, you finally got around to a masturbation episode. <laughs> we did. I don't like our tagline is sex dating and masturbating. And how did we get to episode 16 before we really started a, had an episode all about masturbating? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> any, uh, any takeaways there? What were the main things you talked about on that episode? Uh, I think we talked a lot about like our history with masturbation um, mm-hmm. and again, like kind of learning our bodies and like some of the stories I told earlier um, about like what what our relationship with masturbation was growing up and what our relationship is with it now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got to listen for Kate's has a fantastic story about the time her little brother walked in on her. It's <laughs> one of my favorite stories like ever. Amazing. Um, I got to get her to tell her, tell that story at the bedpost uh, yeah. stage show. Cause she's in Toronto. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then another really interesting thing we talked about is kind of like we did in the sex toy episode. People are constantly, they talk about like, Oh, I'm in a relationship. I don't need to masturbate. Right. And I'm just looking at them like, well, how are those even, what is your life? <laughs> How are those related? Yeah, like they're, for me, they're totally different experiences Mm -hmm. and they operate in very different ways. Uh, So we kind of talked about that a little bit too. Awesome. And uh, one thing that I wanted to talk to you about as well, we're, we're now in 2017. We have our feet firmly planted in 2017 now. And I know something, I know something you talk about on the podcast is like, sex goals like a sex Mm -hmm. to-do list kind of do you have one for 2017 yeah we did we talked about that a little bit um came up with some things on 2017 that we were just like interested in trying um and 
some of the big things we've been talking about one some of the big things we shared were a wanting to have more experience with playing with other people's vulvas because we didn't do that mm-hmm. a ton yeah uh in our past and we also uh both have had fisting on our to-do list for quite a while for a long time yeah are there any new so, are there any toys um coming out in 2017 or toys that have just recently uh come out that you are finding would be are kind of innovative designs or interesting to try that you haven't yet like what do you want to get your hands on in 2017 well they did on our 2017 episode one of the things i talked about was uh we talked about was the blowjob dildo which just yes. came out yeah uh so it's this style isn't completely new. It existed in the past. Uh, called the Mister Man it was a very similar design, and it's a dildo with a hole in the middle mm-hmm. uh, that runs from tip to base. And the idea is you put the base over a body with a clitoris. Mm-hmm. It sits over the clitoris, and when you suck on the tip, it provides suction through the toy, mm-hmm. um, which is super cool. And since we recorded, I actually did get my hands on one of them. Oh, and what do you think? Uh, What's your review? Uh, it, so sensation-wise, I haven't actually talked about this online yet, so you're getting an exclusive. Whoa! Um, but sensation-wise, it's definitely cool. It's not enough to get off to, but it feels unique and interesting and really good, which is about what I expected. Uh-huh. Um, but my uh, my sir had very different expectations for it. He wanted it to be way better than it was, which <laughs> I find hilarious because he was so mad at it. <laughs> because uh, from his perspective, as the person giving the blowjob, uh, he said it just felt too thin and flimsy, like it felt like a dick-shaped straw. Okay. Which just was not fun. Okay. Um, and like, I, I, for the most part, we just used um, the good fella instead for like blowjobs and stuff. Right. Uh, which is great and is a great dick, and I, I love that one. Uh, but he was so mad <laughs> that this toy did not work the way he wanted it to. Essentially, it's like a hollow dildo. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but but I would think even if it's like the sensation isn't totally totally there, is the uh, dynamic? I would find the dynamic sexy, like a cisgendered man fellating you. That's hot. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I yeah, I mean, I love getting my dick sucked anyway, and like yeah. for me because he was able to do a lot more on the good fella. Um, Rather than really having to focus a lot on the BJ dildo, on where he was providing suction and how, so that it would transmit through the right way, and having to hold his hand at the base so it was sealed, didn't break, mm-hmm. for the suction and that sort of thing, was less exciting to me than the good fellow where he could just suck my dick and fucking focus on that. Great. Um, so <laughs> it had less sensation. Yeah. I mean, I the base still grinds up against my body and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, it had less sensation, but it felt better. And it's also more realistic looking, which is great for my gender feels. Mm-hmm. So I just much preferred using that than 
The PJ dildo. Awesome. And that that's Bex's uh, exclusive review of the BJ dildo. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so Bex, um, we're pretty much at time here. I want to thank you so awesome. much for talking to me again, for taking the time to re-record this episode. Is there... Um, <laughs> Yeah, you know, I love talking to you. It's great. We should do it a third time. <laughs> um, can you give us the rundown of all your online stuff so that people can uh, get exposed to all the awesome work you're doing? Yes, if you want to sufficiently keep track of me online, uh, you can go to BexTalkSex.com for all of my writing and thoughts. I'm actually hoping to transition to doing some video there as well, so that should be pretty exciting. I'm reaching out to some people to help me with that. Uh, you can also go to at on Twitter, which is where you'll find all my daily updates and uh, interesting thoughts and whatever. Um, and if you want to reach out to talk to me, you can email me at bextalksex at gmail.com. And then if you want to look into my podcast stuff, that's all at thedildorks.com and at thedildorks on Twitter. Amazing. Thank you so much again, Bex, a sex writer, sex blogger, toy reviewer, sex educator, and podcaster. And I am Erin Pym, and this has been the Bedpost Podcast. Check back often because we release a new episode every Friday. And if you want to see Bedpost Live, the Variety Stage Show runs at the Social Capital Theater the third Friday of every month at 8. For more information on everything Bedpost, please visit us on Facebook at Bedpost Erotica or on Instagram at the Bedpost Sex Show. Lastly, the Bedpost podcast features original music by Steph Copeland, who can be reached on Facebook or at her website, stephcopelandmusic.com. 